Good evening and welcome to the Lotus Flower Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Pamela Robinson, and I bring you greetings this evening because you thought it not robbery to join us this evening as we share a very important story of hope and healing and restoration with you this evening the Lotus Flower Podcast. It is a podcast that has been developed intentionally with you in mind. Why? Because we want to be able to share in a strategic type of way, the hope, the love, and the joy that comes only from having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lotus Flower Podcast is a multimedia, biblically-based platform that allows listeners to experience countless high-quality audio and video interviews. The podcast spurs unfiltered conversations that often can't be heard on social media platforms elsewhere. Likewise, the podcast covers a range of content categories, including comedy, religion, music, mental health, education, and fitness. Most importantly, the episodes highlight content that are centered around interests covered by and for African-American voices, including business, economy, education, history, and family. The Lotus Flower Podcast. We want you to know that the content in the episodes is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional with questions that you may have regarding your condition. Tonight, we want you to make sure to never miss an episode of the Lotus Flower Podcast. And how do you do that? You do that by subscribing to the podcast. You are more than welcome to become co-laborers with us here on the Lotus Flower Podcast. A co-laborer is one that actually goes to the podcast site and they click that little bell. And after clicking the little bell, they actually become official subscribers to the podcast. And then you and I can actually co-labor in this ministry endeavor together. So don't just watch the podcast or listen to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. We air on YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Wix.com, Reason FM, Amazon Music, Spotify, the Lotus Flower Podcast channel on YouTube and on Facebook. We also air on various other audio platforms. So there's no reason why you should not be able to reach out and find the Lotus Flower Podcast. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
on whatever platform in which you choose. Tonight, we have a very special guest with us that will be sharing her story. It is a story of courage, yet and still it came about through a painful journey. Oftentimes, the pain that we go through in life is the path to hope, health, and healing. The Lord has a plan in store for you and the pain in which you're experiencing tonight. Jesus offers a way to gain hope when you're hurting, but it only comes through him. And our guest tonight, Ms. Kelsey Beverly, knows just that. She knows how to put her hand in the Lord's hand and allow him to walk her through life difficult journeys. Ms. Kelsey Beverly is a fitness trainer, a holistic nutritionist, and she is currently training to be a trauma-informed yoga teacher and yoga mindset coach. She is also working on her bachelor's of exercise science with a concentration in community health. Ms. Kelsey has used her passion for health and wellness to create mindful movement wellness ministry. She began mindful movement wellness to promote generational wellness in her community. She is particularly committed to helping women of color cultivate mental health wellness through holistic nutrition, fitness, and yoga. Ms. Kelsey grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and currently resides there with her husband, George III, and her three children, George III, Grayson, and Carolyn. As a two-time cancer survivor and a mental health warrior, Kelsey has used her plant-based nutrition, fitness, and yoga techniques to actually heal her own body and manage her mental illness. Her realization that this combination of wellness practices can truly change lives has fueled her passion to share this gift with others. When she's not engaged in wellness activities, she enjoys traveling, spending time with her family, and most importantly, worshiping her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lotus Flower Podcast, our featured guest, the lovely Miss Kelsey Beverly. Now, don't just join us here tonight. I want you to beat us here tonight, and I want you to share this stream with your friend and let them know to share this stream with their friend so that we'll have thousands of people joining us tonight for the Lotus Flower podcast as we listen to this powerful story of hope, courage, and resiliency from our guest, Ms. Kelsey Beverly. And before we bring her forth, we have a short video promotion for the Lotus Flower podcast. Stay tuned.
are airing live here from Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome, Ms. Kelsey Beverly to the Lotus Flower Podcast, and welcome all of our guests that are joining us this evening as well. Ms. Kelsey, what a pleasure and an honor to have you with me this evening. I'll tell you, I am a fan of yours. I have been following you for quite some time when we were both members of the Breakfast Club in Kalamazoo, Michigan with our friend and our dear sister in the Lord, Miss Tracy Small. And I've been following you and I've been following your mom and your grandma actually was my Mary Kay consultant. And she did my makeup for my wedding. Aww. Did you know that? <laughs> Yes, I had my bridal party and she came out and she did all of our makeup for my bridal party. Yes, oh, and she so had been my Yeah, and she was my makeup consultant in Kalamazoo when I lived there for quite some time and I tell you your grandmother was definitely on her job. She would call okay. me at least once a week saying, "Okay, it's time to get some more products. I'm having a sale and don't forget." And I was listen, her name was ringing in my head all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I can see where you get your drive from. Your grandmother, she's a beautiful woman. But I want you to know that I appreciate you once again being on the podcast. And I want you to take the liberty to greet our guests in whatever way in which you choose. Good evening, everyone. Um, I just first want to thank everyone who's tuning in today. Um, I hope my story and what I have to offer is an inspiration to someone. I'm just really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. And our topic tonight, I always reach out and talk with my guests and I ask them to pray about what the Lord might have for you to talk about on the podcast. I know that there are many podcasts out there that actually will have a dedicated topic that they focus on. But on this podcast, I felt the Lord saying to reach out to the guests and ask them what they might want to talk about. What has the Lord done for you? Or what has the Lord put on your heart that you might want to encourage somebody else with? So tonight, as I talk with Ms. Kelsey, I said, well, what has the Lord put on your heart to share? Go back and pray and then get back with me at the appointed time and let me know. Well, she said the Lord gave her the topic of resilience creates brilliance. Season three, episode four of the Lotus Flower podcast, resilience creates brilliance. Tell me a little bit about why you chose that topic and why is that significant to you? Um, as first of all, the word resilient, resilience um, resonates with me. Um, going through a dark time in my life where I didn't love myself, the one thing I could always say for sure that I was resilient. And I think that's the one thing I held on to. And I realized um, if you look at the definition of resilience, which is the capacity to withstand or push through difficulties, and then the definition of brilliance, which is an intense bright light. And so what I realized is that through my struggles and me pushing through, um, it led me to be able to be a place where now I can shine and I can show what I've been through and I can help others. 
Yes, and I, I like that. And the words ring clear with you and your strength to be able to be resilient and to bounce back. Brilliance. Now, where does the word brilliance come in at? Um, just, I think, when I think about it, I feel like when I move, that's what I I am, um, and I just let it shine, and I wouldn't have been able to do that without going through difficulties. So just that intense, bright light, that's what I hope I'm always giving to the world, and that's how I hope others see me. Mm -hmm. I see. Now, tell us a bit about your backstory. Let's start with being a two-time cancer survivor. In your bio, you, you have written that you are a survivor of cancer twice. Now that is actually resounding and it's praiseworthy. Tell us a bit about that. Okay, so um, maybe a week my um, before my 16th birthday, went to a doctor's appointment and they just had found like a, a little lump on my thyroid. They go. Um, that ended up being cancerous. Um, during the procedure to remove mm -hmm. my thyroid, they actually found another tumor um, with, that was a cancer, mm -hmm. totally unre unrelated to my thyroid cancer. So I had them both at the same time. Um, and then my mm -hmm. life kind of just went to a whirlwind. You know, I went to just fighting and surviving. Um, so that was, but that was a big moment. My first big hurdle um, to push through. And you were how old again? I was, um, I found out when I was 15, a couple of weeks before my 16th birthday. Oh my, so as a teenager. <laughs> and tell us about the um, journey that this took you on in terms of treatment for that yes. cancer. So I had about five or six surgeries. Um, I was able to just do um, iodine radiation, so it wasn't too intensive. Mm -hmm. um, I think what came after it, um, with me not having my thyroid, the fatigue, the um, mental health issues it caused with my levels not being there, that's where it kind of went after that. So kind of after the diagnosis of, you know, doing that, and of course, the mental strain of being 16 yes. and being told um, you have cancer and not, you know, not really knowing what to do with that type of information at that age. Mm -hmm. And it this a thing that kind of kept brewing. Yeah. So at 16 years, 15, going into 16, going to hold something that heavy, how were you able to sustain your mental health wellness and who was your support system at that time and what and then what did you do for self-care um at that time uh, my mom was my biggest support um when i was diagnosed we cried together and then we said all right we're just going to do this and i did not drop a tear through the rest of those, that year and a half of everything we're going through. Cause we just said, we're gonna do it. And she was with me all the way. I can't thank my mom enough for how strong she was. Um, and you said you did not drop a tear. I, no, not after that first time. Oh, praise God. And um, and your mom was your, your biggest supporter? Your oh, mom definitely. was your biggest supporter. She, I can't even imagine how she, yeah. Now tell tell the audience what are some of the things that your mom did to 
support you through that journey? Um, I think just keeping my spirit, um, we didn't go into like a, a sulky type of thing, like, oh my God, you know, it was life is regular. We're going to beat this. You know, this is not the end. And I think it was nice to have that example in front of me, especially, you know, at so young, not like really realizing like, okay, am I going to die? Like, you know, what is this? And not being really example to understand. Me, especially, you know, at so young. Not like so then you, so you were thinking at one point, did you, did you think that you maybe were, were going to die at one point? Did that oh, yeah. ever cross, that ever crossed your mind? That maybe it something did. like it that did. could could happen. Yeah, it, and, it um, did. And then at that time, because I know that oftentimes that that will rise up in someone's head that the prognosis that is I'm just going to to die, and especially being a teenager, you know, we think we are have so much more living to do, and we're and at that time in life, oftentimes we think that we're invincible. Nothing can ever come and hurt us, but something like this, a monster like cancer comes and it can rob you of your joy and rob you of even of your ability to go ahead and matriculate through your teenage years. But your mom was there as your biggest support system to help you. Now, back then, did you know the Lord or have somewhat of a relationship with with the Lord at that time to draw strength from that as well? Or what, how was that in your life at that? Um, I want to, I want to say I had a relationship. Um, it was not a great one. Um, okay. I did not attend church regularly. I did pray. Um, at that point, I just didn't have that connection. Um, or what I know now is what the real connection, what, what a real connection feels like with God. Now, knowing that now that I didn't have that then. I see. And knowing that you did not have that then, however, you did have your mom to draw your strength from. Was was your mom a Christian at that point? And did she draw her strength from the Lord or your grandma or someone? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, her, I have a praying family, um, just all around big extended family. So I know, um, and even today, like when I go through things, like I know I'm pushed through, not because of my prayers or just my mom's like, I have a praying family and they're all rooting behind me. So I know that was a big factor. And interceding on somebody else's behalf is definitely real. When Remember when you and I attended the um, the Bre Women's Breakfast Club and you went, you came a couple of times and your mom was there and we were oftentimes interceding on behalf of other women and trying to help them to get through their battle. Now, when when someone's interceding on your behalf and they, they're literally like carrying you, carrying the weight of, of your situation that you're going through and knowing that it can actually put some wear and tear on that person as well. So with your mom, did you ever notice that maybe she was getting a little bit stressed or it was taking a toll on her watching her daughter go through something so difficult, such as cancer? Not at any moment. She was so strong um, for me and it made it so much easier for me to be strong. 
I'm like, she's not, she's not freaking out. I'm not going to freak out. Um, and I appreciate that. I know she struggled. I know there were times she cried. Um, I know she was scared, um, but I appreciated the strength um, that she kept up for me. That's good. That's good. And then when, when your mom was able to keep that strength up for you and intercede on your behalf and carry you through, and then the Lord showed up and answered the prayer, oftentimes it is the tears that we shed in pain and the tears that we shed in a sorrowful time that the Lord actually waters and turns around and those tears become tears of joy and happiness and and so I thank and praise him for a praying for a praying mother that you had. Now, there are times in our lives that when we're going through situations like this and fear is all around us, sometimes that very fear can consume us to the degree that we think that it's our future. Now, there's a song that I just love and it's called Fear Is Not My Future and it was written by Brandon Lake. And I'm going to tell you, you and some of the listening audience, some of the words. It says, let him turn it in your favor. Watch him work it for your good. He's not done with what he started. He's not done. It's good. It says, hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, strength. Hello, hope. It's a new horizon. That song also says that. Feel the weight lifting off your shoulders. Trust the Lord God, your provider, your peace, your hope, your joy, and he will make a way. It's a new horizon. I would like for you to expound on when you went through that cancer battle two times as a young person, knowing that there were times that maybe you were anxious and fearful, but then when you had a few birthdays and you became grown and much older, you realized that fear, like the song says, you realized that fear was not your future. So when did that aha moment happen and you realized that fear doesn't have to have a grip on me because it is a new horizon? Um, in all honesty, it was literally probably about six months ago. So, okay. um all this time living in fear. I just think it kind of put that in me, like even after I got better, I was like, when will I get sick again? Um, okay. You know, when will these things happen? Um, and so it took a while, um, but I think I appreciate it more mm -hmm. because of what I went through in between. And so you said it was only about six months ago mm -hmm. that this happened. So, so tell me about how, your life was colored by fear then up until this point. What are some things that were going on that maybe hindered your life because of walking in fear all of that time? Um, a lot of it had to do with mental illness. Um, I know at 16, not knowing how important it was to take my medication all the time. I mean, knowing that, you know, not having my thyroid and thyroid hormones having a lot to do with mental health, I struggled. Um, anxiety, depression, um, up and down. At that time, I didn't know I was undiagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, mm -hmm. which played a big factor. Um, and so it was literally like 
those ups and downs. When I was up, I was good and I was great. And then I was down. And that was literally a cycle for 15, 16 years. I see. I see. So as a two-time cancer survivor, um, your advice, I believe, would be to hold on to hope, hold on to the Lord and never stop living your life and keep fighting. Now, when you said that you were going through the situation, however, and you were fearful and anxious and unknowing that you had um, bipolar disorder, walking through that, when you walked through that period of your, of your life, did you realize that there were thousands of people that were affected by mental illness and bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, mood disorders. Every day, people are walking and living with these challenges, but not knowing what you were going through and you were experiencing these ups and these downs and not having a name for it, I'm sure it had to be frustrating. Now, let's talk a little bit about that because there's some other people. I see there are many people that are on listening and watching this evening. And one of those people just may be going through what you have experienced. So let, let's talk a little bit about some of the signs and symptoms that you were having that you didn't have a name for. Um, well, I realize now that when I would go into my depressive episodes, my symptoms were physical. And so um, I just get ill, um, headaches, um, it's just like an overwhelming sense of something being wrong. And what I realized now, it was my brain like, okay, I can't do this right now. Like we're going into depression, mm -hmm. we need to shut down. And then a couple okay. months to go by and then I'm back up and I'm working full time and going to school and like doing all these things and then right back down mm -hmm. and right back up. So it's literally just a roller coaster. Um, <clears throat> and I didn't realize it because I was just getting ill. I just mm -hmm. go to the hospital. They'll you know, not find that with cancer in the past. It's just I got used to illness. <clears throat> and I didn't mm -hmm. correlate it to my mental health um, mm -hmm. until 2018. Mm -hmm. And so um, in 2018, I effectively call that my little mini breakdown. Um, but it was literally like everything came. Like my body was like, no, we cannot do this anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> I like getting to the point where I was able to speak on some childhood trauma and then really understand like where I was. And it was nice, even though I was misdiagnosed, it was nice to have a name to it. Because all this time. Uh -huh. when you Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I when you say misdiagnosed, I didn't want to miss that point because that happens so often. What were you misdiagnosed with, Ms. Kelsey? So initially I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Um, and it actually still is one of my diagnoses, um, but not because that's not treated with medication. We were unaware that my bipolar also needed to be treated. Um, and so that, there was a big delay. It was about two years um, before I was diagnosed with the bipolar as well. I see. And how did that come about, the, them knowing that they had misdiagnosed you? Um, I was to the point where I could not work. 
um, like my moods were so up and down. And so initially I was going um, to get um, documents to be able to get disability. Um, and so having to go through like a full, you know, psyche valve, and that's where that di um, diagnosis came up. And then um, that was the next step in the right direction because I actually actually started medication. Um, mm -hmm. And so that kind of got the ball rolling in the right direction. And did you agree with the diagnosis when when they gave that to you? It made a lot. Did of you sense. agree that yes, just okay, it, made it is, sense. yeah. And and making a lot of sense. Tell tell me what do you mean by made a lot of sense? Um, I guess all the things I went through that I couldn't explain how I could perform at such a high level for five or six weeks and then like not be able to do anything for like two months. Like it just didn't make sense, like how my energy levels, just everything, like my moods were just so up and down. Um, because I didn't notice like big life changes. Like I was like, it's not like I'm in crisis right now. It's just like literally yeah. these changes are happening. Um, and so like looking at the different symptoms and kind of put it together, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. And I was happy to have an a answer because that was the first step to finding a solution. And having that diagnosis and knowing that there was a name for what you were going through I would imagine that just brought so much peace to you and closure. It did. I knew what I was dealing with. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, um, but at least knowing how to proceed, knowing what type of help I needed to seek was big. Yes. Now, mental health disorders are going untreated every day for thousands of people of color. I actually have my doctoral um, work done centered right around this very topic and i and i want to ask you why do you think that is that so many people of color do not seek the help or they just go untreated for their mental health disorders i know that's a weighty question but i just want you to answer it as best you can to give someone else hope um i first think there's a big stereotype um, you know, black people don't need therapy. Um, you just need to pray about it, which you do need to pray, but there's a whole bunch um more to it. I think um people are scared of the judgment. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, admitting like there's something going on that you can't control. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And so I think the big the big things. And do you tie it into spirituality at all? That people may um, be a bit apprehensive based on um, their uh, spirituality and their beliefs that they've been taught in a different, from a different perspective. If you're a Christian, then maybe Christian people, um, you know, should be strong enough to handle their emotional state or something of that nature. I'm not sure if there, if you've ever heard that school of thought before. I definitely have. Um, it seems like, just go pray about it, you know, give it to God, he'll take care of it. And um, what I realized is that um, there's a system. You have to have many parts um, because no matter how much I pray, this neurological, these um, chemicals in my brain, um, I can't mm -hmm. pray that away. I need another resource mm -hmm. to help that. 
Um, and so I know mm-hmm. as I got further into like praying about my mental health, is I'm praying for the resources. I'm praying for the strength to get me to the day where I can see the therapist. And it's not like asking for that healing and that is getting me to the the moment, getting me to the person and giving me the strength to make it to that day. I see. And the resources. Tell me a little bit about what what those resources were and what are some some resources that people that are listening tonight may be able to access. Um, my first big resource is I actually um, came to the re- realization that I needed more help than I thought I did. So I actually um, took myself to the ER, went, um, I had a five-day stay at a psychiatric hospital. So that was my first um, big step towards that. Um, after that, mm-hmm. it was finding the right therapist. I see. And it was rough. It was, I went about three years of switching therapists constantly. Um, and I th- and why is that, Miss Kelsey? Why was that, Miss Kelsey? I think knowing what I know now and having the relationship I have with my therapist, you have to feel a connection to be open. Um, and sometimes that just can't be forced. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's hard if you're not fully comfortable with someone, you're not going to release everything and then they can't give you the resources if you're only telling half of the story. I see. Mm -hmm. I see. And also you said that it it was a long journey to find the right person and you have to be able to be comfortable with the person and relate to them. So it does. So are you saying that it doesn't matter if the person has all these degrees on their wall and they're very well qualified to give you the treatment that you need, but that doesn't constitute enough to make them make them be that perfect fit for you because they have the knowledge, they have the resources and they're available, the appointment is there for you and all of that. But then are you telling me that we should take it a step further to make sure that it's a good fit? We have to. Um, I know I know a lot of people who shy away um, from getting services, either, you know, if they can't find one who someone who looks like them. And it's hard to open up when you don't feel like that person might not have those lived experiences. Um, So a lot goes into, especially for people of color, like we want someone who understands our point of view from the get go. But then there's also a personality match. Um, I don't feel like I'd ever be comfortable, like fully telling my story and like trusting someone to help me um, if I didn't if I didn't feel comfortable in that moment. I see. And that is that is so true. That is so true. I've always um, have told clients that I've had serve is to make sure that they um, find someone that's very relevant, especially people of color. I recommend that they would find a culturally relevant therapist. And that doesn't mean that the therapist has to be African-American. There are plenty of therapists that are culturally relevant because they want to be. They learn about their own weaknesses, their own biases and all. They learn about that culture and they ask questions if they don't know something and that makes them relevant. And so for those of you that are listening, we're not saying that the person has, well, I'm not saying that the person has to be an African-American person because we're African-American people, but they do need to be relevant because if they're not unintentionally, you can actually 
become uh, even more depressed and even more um, ill because you won't be, won't be understood and you won't be able to express yourself fully and you'll be hiding. And like Miss Kelsey said, you won't tell the full story. Um, I would like to recommend some resources such as mental health first aid. I don't know if you are aware, but mental health first aid, that is something that our family, friends, and loved ones, and our church family, our school systems, teachers, principals can actually learn mental health techniques so that they can recognize when someone's having a mental health crisis, then they would be able to actually help the person walk through that situation until they're able to connect them with uh, with an actual professional. So they wouldn't misread what they're going through and say, well, well, you're just being, um, if it's a child, well, you're just being bad. Or if it's a teenager, well, you're just being defiant. Or if it's an adult, then you need to just go lay down. Or if it's anyone, then you just need to maybe pray about it or maybe drink more water or eat more food or get more rest. Well, with mental health first aid, just like having a first aid course, they're going to teach those people those signs and symptoms to recognize so that they can help and encourage their loved one to seek out the help that they need. And then the person won't feel so helpless themselves watching that happen to their family, friend, or loved one. They'll know that there's something that I can do as well. They can also reach out to 211 or 911 or the National Alliance on Mental Illness and the National Alliance on African-American Mental Illness. All that's available on Google. And especially if you're having a mental health crisis, then Go to the emergency room. I heard Miss Kelsey said that she want, went to the emergency room. So go to the emergency room and they will do what's called a psychological evaluation and see what is going on. And they will find out at that time whether or not you need to be admitted. You can also call 911 or you can go to your doctor's office or tell a family tell a friend, tell a neighbor, talk to a pastor or a trusted person. We want to make sure that those that are listening tonight and that will listen know that safety is first. Miss Kelsey talked to us and shared that there was a time in her life where she had a five-day stay in a mental health facility. And I want you, know, you to know that are listening tonight that sometimes it might take that amount of attention to this problem in order for that problem to be rectified. Now, Ms. Kelsey, can you tell us a little bit of how it was when you said, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and agree to being admitted into this facility. And how were you feeling at that time? What types of things were going through your head? Um, I was terrified. So I, of course, walked into the ER willingly. Um, but once they told me I was taking me, I'm like, never mind. Can I just go home? I I'm like, I'm fine. Um, and so um, I think the biggest thing is at that time, um, I think my son was two, three, and my twins were 11 months old. Um, so it was very hard to make that decision. Um, 
to go. And that was like the first, the babies were still so small. So, you know, having to be away from them, um, be away from my husband. Um, I think it's just the fact of thinking about being away from them. And when you go, you don't know how long they're going to have you there. And so kind of that unknown too, that was the scariest part. I see. And however, you were willing to do that. Why? I didn't see another answer. I, I, okay. I didn't know what to do next. Like I tried to I figure out the answer there. I, I knew I couldn't come up with the answer. I needed the help from someone else. So would you say that you had hit rock bottom? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was definitely rock bottom for me. I see. And then when you were admitted to the facility, how helpful was that? Um, I feel like it's the best thing I could ever did. Um, it was when I got there, that was the first time I had talked about some trauma, childhood trauma that was like 20 years old. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that taking that first step into really opening up and afterwards, to stay, um, those were mm-hmm. the things that kind of came together for that. And trauma from childhood, which we don't have to go into that. However, when I counsel people, we always take them back to childhood. Oftentimes the root starts in childhood. Those things as an adult sometimes lay dormant and oftentimes they get stirred up as we become teenagers and then definitely moving into adulthood and we start getting into these relationships and we start getting married and we start having children and then things, our emotions really kind of go, go awry after we have so much pressure on us. I see you nodding your head. Mm -hmm. Are you in agreement with that? Um, Completely. Completely. Okay. Tell me a bit, tell me a bit why you say completely. Um, here. I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. Um, Oh, you're fine. fine. Can you repeat the question? Um, When you said completely that it was starting at childhood, those traumas, Mm -hmm. and then they actually awaken after we get older and start experiencing life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm saying, Um, well, yes. Someone's mother um, that's when they tried to stir in and I never realized how much it affected me until then. Um, and then knowing what I know now about mental health and how trauma um, affects the brain and like in development, um, it that also helped everything make a lot more sense. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. When you heard, and how did you learn? Where did you learn that from? Um, I think just. I know when I like find something out, I like to do a lot of research. Um, so yes. like when I, you know, even when I got my um, the borderline personality diagnosis, a lot of that straight to trauma. Um, and then like I have complex PTSD, that's trauma. And so like putting everything together, it, there's a straight line to it. And then you add in the cancer diagnosis and, you know, all those things. And it just kind of came into um, a big just a big ball of stuff that I didn't know what to do with. I see. And then you, you do a lot of research. So you learned on your own 
And would you also say that maybe your, your therapist and then maybe being in the facility and also especially having therapy, has some of that helped as well? Yes. With, with knowing what's going on and knowing, giving it a name to the trauma from childhood that's affected the way you, that affected you now. Yeah. Um, yes. I think it was just, it was the way things had to happen for me to address it. Um, and then I think at that point, there was a motivation to be like, okay, how do I undo this? How do I impact this? How do I get to a place um, where I can be more functional? Mm -hmm. and, and how did you unpack it um, to get to that place where you are now? A lot of trial and error. Um, Tons of um, therapy, being willing to add on medication. I was against medication for a very long time, um, and then I tell me, tell tell us why. Um, why we were against it? I think it was a control thing. I felt like I should be able to work through this and fix this. I see. I feel like that's related to black women and being strong. Like, no, I got. This. Oh yeah. I don't need that. That's strong black women. Woman, yes, strong black woman. Yeah. <laughs> and so you were like, no medication, no. But the what changed that for you? Um, the bipolar disorder um, diagnosis, because they wanted to give me stuff for anxiety and stuff like that before that. Um, and so I was willing to get on one medication. Um, they recommended another, and I went through some trials trying to find the right one, um, and that was hard. Mm -hmm. Um, it goes through med changes. You know, they don't always feel good. You don't know if it's going to work. Um, it's just kind of another added layer of stress on top of whatever you're doing um, already. Yeah. Um, but I, and now that's part of the about six, seven months ago is when I actually added another medication that is actually working very good with my other one. Hey, that's good. That's excellent. And so I want people to know that are listening that sometimes you have to be on medication. That doesn't mean that you're spiritually weak or you're inferior or you can't handle your problems or you're not the strong black woman or strong black man or strong white woman or strong Mexican woman or Chinese man or whatever walk of life you find yourself in or whatever race you are. That doesn't mean that you're not strong. Sometimes medication needs to be there along with therapy, along with prayer, along with self-care, along with a good support system. The world may seem like it's disintegrating all around us at times, but we always have to remember that God is still in control and that he will renew our minds. The Bible tells us that the Lord will renew our minds. If we put our trust in him, he can renew our minds as well. I don't, I'm not saying that ultimately the Lord isn't in control. And if we take medication and go to therapy and do those types of things, then we're saying that he isn't in control because when the world is crumbling all around us, we always know that God is in control and that he actually is renewing our minds daily, the scripture says. But he also has given us the ability to know that it's okay not to be okay and that he has actually put people here that will help walk us through. 
those difficult times in our lives. Now, I want you to tell us a little bit more about, about your fitness and holistic nutritionist business that you have started. Tell us a little bit about how that ties into wellness, especially mental health wellness, and also keeping your own body healthy physically. Um, so it kind of, it was kind of thing that trickled in. Um, as I was getting better, I got really into working out and exercising. Um, and that's when I got my personal training. Um, as I went along and I was getting better, I discovered um, plant-based nutrition, um, just the power of the food that we put in our bodies, how it can affect our minds. Um, and then about seven or eight months ago, um, that was like the thing that brought everything to and yoga. So, um, going forward, go ahead. Yeah, the yoga I was said yoga. what really brought it together. Yeah, um, I think people have when they think of yoga, they just think of yoga postures. And yes, um, yes, what yoga really is is um, helping the mind and body and spirit become one. Yes. And so once I was able to do that and connect to self, um, everything mm -hmm. just came together. And I realized mm -hmm. why I do personal training and this is why I learned plant-based and this is why I need yoga because um, the three have, I mean, completely changed my life in less than a year. Mm -hmm. In less than a year. Oh my. And how often do you do, you do uh, yoga? How often? Um, I, I practice, well, I meditate. Um, I meditate a lot. Um, and then like physical practice, I do once or twice a week. Um, but you don't have to do yoga postures to do yoga. And that's the big thing. It's all mm -hmm. about the mind-body connection. Mm -hmm. um, and so mm -hmm. I found finding meditation and being able to quiet my mind enough to meditate mm -hmm. um, was a game changer for me, especially when it came to my spirituality. Um, mm -hmm. I think I went to yoga for a connection I was missing. And I thought it was the, the universe and the stars and like, but um, me being able to be mindful and clear my mind was the first time I actually felt connected to God. I see. It was because and clearing your mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Clearing your mind. So how your mind was noisy? Was your mind have a lot of clutter in there? Did your mind have thoughts that were racing often? or thoughts that were incongruent? When you say clear your mind, was it clouded to that degree? It was clouded, um, very all over the place. It was hard for me to focus. Even, um, it was hard for me to make it through a prayer without getting distracted. Like my mind was just on the go, on the go. And so it was hard, like I'm, you know, I'm praying, I want to pray, but I didn't feel that connection because my brain wanted to be thinking about something else at that moment because it was filled with worry and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And you needed to learn how to quiet your mind. Now, Miss Kelsey, take a moment and tell someone that's listening, how can they go about, I have a person right now that's listening and they are so overwhelmed with all this noise in their mind, the clutter 
the racing thoughts, the inability to sit still and think clearly, to even sit down and watch a television program all the way through their walking and pacing. Tell that person, how can they go about calming their mind to the degree that they're able to sit still and actually take in things to the degree that they actually enjoy these things? Um, I think one of the biggest thing is connecting to the breath. Um, we don't realize how powerful um, the breath is and that literally breathing in a certain pattern can help your parasympathetic, you know, your nervous system, your system and calm your body. Um, and that was a big thing I noticed is that, you know, me being anxious for hours in a day in the past and me being like, okay, I'm anxious. I can breathe through it. And in that mind, um, in that time, when you take the time to focus on your breath, you can't think of anything. Mm -hmm. I and see. So can, you, can, do, can, you, can you do that with me right now over the screen? Can, we, can you show me how that might look? I'll, be, I'll pretend like I'm one of your clients and let's practice. Okay, you're ready. So you tell you tell me what I need to do. All right, <laughs> go ahead. I'll make sure you're in a comfortable position, and then I just want you to go ahead um, and just first notice your breath. I'm not trying to judge it or change it at all, and just notice where you feel your breath in your body. Okay, and then go ahead and just breathe in, big deep breath in, hold it at the top, and then let it out with a sigh. Great job. And then another deep breath in. And then let it out with a sigh. And when and when you go back um, to a breath, to a calm state, you really just want to focus on feeling your navel rising when you inhale and then feeling your navel pushing in when you exhale. Okay. So I'll try that once more. Let's see. Oh, that is, feels so cleansing and to it, me. It's like, it's the simple yes. is free. <laughs> we breathe all the time. <laughs> okay. And like literally in those moments when I'm in overwhelm, just taking a moment to sit back and breathe, um, it just takes the edge off. And then you're you're you yes. be clearer to make a decision um, just from even a little bit of calm. How often would you recommend a person does that that may be feeling overwhelmed and anxious? Whenever you throughout feel their day, overwhelmed and anxious. <laughs> so it could be Any, all throughout the day, mm -hmm. anytime. And it's the best thing. No one has to know you're doing it. You can just be sitting there. Mm -hmm. You need to close your eyes for a second. You know, take some deep breaths. Go walk into the bathroom. Um, take some deep breaths. I found it very effective dealing with my children right now because they're at a tough age. And so even, you know, for anything, not just anxiety, when you're upset or just taking a moment for your mind and your body to be able to calm down. That's great. And thank you for practicing that with me as we right here on the screen. And those of you that were listening right here on the screen, now you have a technique, if you hadn't already, that you can utilize now, Ms. Kelsey, tell us a little bit about your pursuing your bachelor's in exercise science with a concentration in community health. Um, so I decided to go um, back to school specifically for exercise science and community health um, because I have a passion. I feel like I have a duty um, to make change and share what I know now. 
Um, and I know moving into the spaces, I want to be able um, to affect our community. I want to reach our teens. I want to reach um, our kids. I want to, you know, our houseless community. Like, I want to be able to go um, and do that. Make sure I have the background knowledge to be able to move in those spaces, to be able to create change. Mm -hmm. And how far along are you in that with your degree? Um, I have about a year and a half left. That's not bad. About a year and a half. And after, after which you're going to go forth, and like you said, you're going to begin to work with with teenagers. Most importantly, I hear that on your heart with that happening to you as a teenager, starting as a teenager with maybe homeless populations, you said, maybe yes. um, women, as you wrote, that you have a passion for working with women as well. And when you practice holistic nutrition and you have the plant-based diet, can you tell us a little bit more about why that is important? You touched on it at the beginning. We talked about a little bit about plant-based diet and being holistic in our nutrition efforts. But what, especially for um, people that are used to eating pork chops, fried chicken, greens and ham hocks, macaroni and cheese, mm -hmm. those types of foods, tell me why is it important to possibly have a plant-based diet and and be holistic in our nutrition efforts? Um, one of the biggest things is like um, so much of our food is processed. Um, so many chemicals uh -huh. and you can Google a chemical and see, um, you know, mm -hmm. how it affects our brains, especially for our children with the amount of sugar they eat, mm -hmm. the food colors, you know, the dyes and stuff like that. Um, and what we put in is literally our fuel and our body is going to run off of that. And when it's not great, our bodies can't run great. Um, I see. And I had that I immediate change when I started switching over to being plant-based. Like I feel mm -hmm. better. I have more energy and all I did was eat some more vegetables today. Um, so it's amazing how those little changes make such a difference because they're affecting the chemicals in your body. I see. And so what does a plant-based diet consist of? Um, Say so if I got up this morning and I wanted to eat a plant-based breakfast, tell me what that might look like. Um, I'll go with my favorites. My my favorite breakfast is um, avocado toast. I see. With hummus. Um, I love doing like oh, yeah. tofu eggs. Um, the biggest thing about a plant-based diet is really just priority, prioritizing fruits, vegetables, grains and processed foods. Um, a lot of people think of plant-based and think of a vegan diet. They're not the mm -hmm. same. I am not a vegan. I still love okay. meat, but it's in moderation. <laughs> I see. I see. In moder so you can still eat meat, but just have it in moderation. Yeah. I think that's, how, um, yeah. that's how I look at it. Like to eat, yeah, eat healthy, you have to, you know, give up everything. And it's really just about moderation. Mm -hmm. Moderation, good. And a plant-based and then holistic. How does being holistic tie into this whole thing? And what does holistic mean, first of all, if for people that may not know? It's um, so more of like a natural approach. So like the holistic part mm -hmm. of it is that you're, of holistic nutrition is that you're using 
um, the plants, the grains, everything to heal your body, whether that's physically or that's mentally. So that's the whole approach is using those natural things to affect change um, in your body. I see. And so it's holistic, meaning a whole, all, everything mm -hmm. is included. It's inclusive of everything, right. mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, everything is inclusive in one. Yes. That's good. Now, I wanted to share that having depression or having any type of anxiety, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, any type of mental illness, it doesn't mean that it's a sin. People may be listening tonight that may think that those things are, are a sin. I have something I'd like to share to make sure that we get everything clear tonight and there'll be no misunderstanding when we sign off. And I'm going to read this. It says that there are some who believe a Christian should never suffer from depression, but that is incorrect. The lines between sad, discouraged, depressed, and similar conditions are all too fuzzy to say a Christian can be discouraged, but not depressed, or sad, but not depressed. That's wrong. The reality is depression afflicts, affects many people, Christians included. Many biblical characters exhibited signs that would likely be classified as depression. Abraham, Jonah, Jacob, Job, Elijah, and others. King David, a man after God's own heart, wrote, I am troubled. I bow down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. I groan because of turmoil in my heart. Psalms 38, 6 through 8. These people in the Bible, they were experiencing what we would call mental illness today. So I want those that are under the sound of our voices today to be encouraged and know that there are moments in life when our souls are sad. It's not a sin to experience depression or any type of mental illness as a Christian. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're not strong enough. It doesn't mean that you don't have that you have unconfessed sin in your life. When we are when we are going through a time in our lives that might cause a chemical imbalance or something that is trauma induced that may present itself as mental illness, or if we have a true mental illness diagnosis. That doesn't mean that we are in a sinful state. It only means that we're human. And I commend Ms. Kelsey tonight for sharing your story with us. One of courage, one of hope, one of, one of resiliency. As the title says, resilience creates brilliance. Being able to bounce back from life adverse situations will actually create a brilliant person, a person that's driven, a person that's unstoppable, a person that will chase those dreams down and catch them by the, catch those dreams and run with them, no matter what obstacles might get in their way. You are a living testimony tonight that people can live with mental illness and live a good quality life. 
the Lord can choose to heal from it, of mental illness totally, or he could choose to have us walk through that situation and get the help that we need so that we can have a fruitful life. I want you to share with us any last minute thoughts or comments that you might have before we bring the podcast to a close, Ms. Kelsey. Um, I really just want to encourage anyone who's struggling with mental illness um, to not be afraid to get help, to not be afraid to admit you need help. Um, and just taking that first step and knowing that it's not going to be easy, that things will go up and down. I know we get to a place where we just want to be like, okay, I'm well and I want to go. Um, it's a journey, not a destination. Um, That's right. Staying in the endeavor. That's just right. Pushing. And um, I think my biggest thing to tell anyone, surround yourself with the right people. Um, it makes such a difference. And who who would the right people be? I know that you can't tell them who their right people are, but if you had to choose the right people, who might those right people be? Um, anyone who is willing to support you. Um, anyone who you feel comfortable, you know, even bringing these type of things up with. Um, I know one of the biggest things for me was eliminating people who were very negative and pessimistic out of my life, especially when I went into my season of growth where I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm finally getting healthy. Um, you, you need to be surrounded by positivity during your season of growth. Um, anything else than that will hold you back. Um, and then a, a good therapist that's always um, the best thing. If you need to see a psychiatrist, a good psychiatrist, um, it's getting to all the resources and just being open-minded about them. Mm -hmm. It's going to be trial and error and you just won't know what you find until it works. Um, but I can tell you when you find it, it works. My life has done a complete 180 in the last is just from putting all this stuff together. So I just want to encourage people mm -hmm. that you take it one step at a time and eventually those things will come together. Um, right now I'm living a fulfilling life and I appreciate you, you said quality life because I spent five years not living. Um, and so I just want to encourage that it's possible um, and you can do it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I want you to know that I was so touched by your story. You shared a little bit about your story. Maybe seven years ago, you may not remember this, but we were at the Women's Breakfast Club. And for those of you that say, well, what is a Women's Breakfast Club? Well, um, a mutual friend of ours in Kalamazoo, she had a breakfast club whereby once a month, she'd invite women to come to, um, we last place we met was the Radisson Plaza Hotel. And we would come to the Radisson and we would have a, just a wonderful, delicious breakfast. And it was a small cost because it takes money to have ministry. So we would purchase our breakfast and then she would have different speakers come in and share encouraging messages. And then she'd have some of the women testify. Well, there was a time that you were there and I don't know if you actually testified about your story or you were just talking to someone about it, but you were just so encouraging. And I, I was sitting there listening and I was like, oh, I just love what she's saying. And she's so positive and driven and, and you want it to get better. Mm -hmm. I think you might have been struggling a little bit then, yeah. but there was something inside of you was like, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm not embarrassed of this. 
Mm-hmm. This 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 fear is not going to stop me. I'm going to move forward. And your mom was right there with you. She was right there with you and everything. And so since then, I was watching. I have been kind of watching you. Probably didn't know, but I was kind of watching you and cheer, and praying for you and cheering you on because mental health is my passion. And I was watching and cheering you on and so happy for you. But then I had saw on Facebook that you had posted something very detailed about how you had been able to be successful in this situation. And you were just so happy to say what you had gone through and you were pretty candid about it and how you had went through some ups and some downs, low points, but at the same time, you sought the help that you needed and things got better. And even though you know there were dark times and things that cost you something, the cost was worth it. And I reached out to you over the Facebook and I wrote something so nice and supportive to you. It just came right from my heart. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, when I resume that podcast, I am going to reach out to Kelsey. I'm going to say, would you be willing to come on the podcast and share whatever you might want to share? If you didn't want to share anything about this, just being on the podcast, just having you here is what I needed to have you grace the face of this podcast to let people see that resilience and brilliance does go together. And if you're not afraid to reach past the fear and get the help that you need and reach past the shame and the guilt or whatever else that it's going to take, then you can live a quality life. So I want to commend you from the bottom of my heart, Miss Kelsey, for being my special guest tonight and talking about this often stigmatized and taboo topic and giving it life and letting people see that a beautiful woman like you can go through this and come out on top and pursue your degree and raise your twins and your other little child and have a husband and a fruitful marriage and it doesn't have to consume your life. So thank you so very much. I love you with the love of the Lord. Thank you so much. I'm so honored just to be able to share my story and just to inspire, even if it's just one person, um, to go out and look for the help you need. Thank you. So I would like to extend gratitude to you for being my special guest on the Lotus Flower podcast. I appreciate the value that you brought to the podcast tonight your enthusiasm and your excitement are contagious. Thank you, Chelsea, for giving up your precious time to bless my listening audience. Your genuine and passionate delivery has resulted in me having to set this bar higher because of you. Thank you. Your subject matter is life-changing. And I believe that the content that you have shared tonight is going to change lives. Thank you for being an expert in what you're going through. Thank you for allowing your experience to change the world, not only Kalamazoo, but did you hear me? Change the world. You've got Thank you so a much. big ministry that the Lord has put on the inside of you. Mm-hmm. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Would you mind closing us in prayer this evening? Of 
That'll be great. Thank you. I'll bow my head now. Thank you, Lord. Shall we pray? Thank you. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you and her amazing platform um, that is about to give hope. Um, I want to thank you, God, for my stuff here today that I may be an inspiration to those who are struggling um, with mental illness. Um, I pray that one of my gift away from the steps to get the help need um, and take the responsibility for healing. I pray that will order the steps so that you will have the resources, that you will have the right people into your life, that you will get to a place where you feel healed, get to a place where you feel where you feel called. I pray that when those are in that they go ahead comfort and know that the Lord will carry them through anything. Dear God, I thank you for this opportunity. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. I look forward to having you on the podcast again in the future. You have a blessed evening. Thank you. Love you. You too. Thank you so much. Love you. Love you too. Thank you. That was a resounding story of courage of resiliency, and ultimately of brilliance. My guest, Ms. Kelsey Beverly of the Lotus Flower Podcast. Fear is not her future. Fear is not her future, nor will it ever be. I want you under the sound of my voice to feel the weight lifting off your shoulders. Trust that the Lord, your provider, he is your peace. He is your hope. He is your joy, and he will make a way out of no way. It's a new horizon on the way for you. It's a new horizon on the way for you. And for those under the sound of my voice, if you are finding yourself right now triggered, from what was being shared tonight about mental illness or about cancer, then remember that safety is always first. Safety is first. So if you find that this has created a situation for you, or if you find that you've been triggered by what was shared because a memory might've come up, or something you're going through right now and it's raw and maybe it costs you to relive it and you find that you may be in a crisis. If that is the case, I want you to seek help. I want you to go to your nearest emergency room and I want you to seek help. If it's not an, emergent, an urgent emergency, I want you to seek the help of your doctor as soon as possible. If it's urgent, I want you to reach out and call 911. Get the help that you need. I also want you to know that you can access resources for your mental health. You can reach 
1-800-211-211, which is an emergency crisis nine. You can also contact the National Alliance on Mental Illness, which is called NAMNI, and the National Alliance for African Mental Illness. You can reach out to them as well. Reach out and get the help that you need. You can also reach out to your pastor. You can also seek the help of a trained mental health counselor. You can seek counselors now, even online. Since we've had the pandemic, we've had so many virtual counselors available to you. One is called Better Health. Better Health is available for you to reach out and get the therapy services that you need. There are resources available for you. Once again, take advantage of them and take care of yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. Take care of your mental health, take care of your physical health, and take care of your overall quality of life because you only get one life. I pray that everyone who is listening to this podcast, that you will receive your breakthrough, that you will receive a miracle in whatever that you're dealing with. I speak healing, I speak deliverance, and I speak restoration to your situation because there's nothing too hard for God. I want you to continue to listen to the Lotus Flower Podcast every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Listen and learn. There are stories that people with lived experience are coming on the podcast to share just with you, just like Miss. Beverly came and she shared lived experience. There are others that are coming on the podcast in the coming months that are going to share lived experience with you and that you can benefit from their story and that you can thrive by what they have gone through. Don't be afraid to reach out and get the help that you need. God is is only a prayer away. And he has created resources in our land for us to take advantage of as well, such as the psychiatrist, the cancer doctor, the oncologist, the rheumatologist. He's created yoga. He's created nutritionalist. He's created holistic practices. He's given us all these things and more so that we could have a fruitful and a productive life. Tonight's topic, oftentimes is a taboo topic, talking about mental illness, and then also talking about cancer, being a two-time cancer survivor, she said. But we know that God is a healer, and he chose to heal her on this side. And so we thank and praise him for that. 
But if he didn't choose to kill your loved one on this side and they were saved, we know where they are and we know that they're resting with the Lord and we know that we're living this life to live again. And we know that he promised that we will see our loved ones again. This evening, I would like to thank you for joining me for the Lotus Flower Podcast. I want you to know that the contents in this episode was not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I want you to always seek the advice of a mental health professional with any questions that you might have about your condition. The Lotus Flower Podcast. Next week, we'll be airing on Thursday. I have a guest that was unavailable to come on the platform on Tuesday. So she will be with us on Thursday. That is Reverend Janice Heyman. She's my first cousin from Miami, Florida. She is a licensed mortician and has been for over 30 years. And oh, is she a beautiful soul. She's also an ordained elder and she preaches like none other. I love my cousin and I cannot wait for you to hear what she has to share with us next Thursday, 7 o'clock p.m. here streaming live on the Lotus Flower Podcast. Thank you all for joining me this evening. Thank you for listening to Ms. Kelsey Beverly as she came forth and she shared a story of resiliency and being brilliant. Resiliency and being able to be brilliant because of that, the Lotus Flower Podcast. Don't just meet me here, beat me here. Streaming live on YouTube and on Facebook and wherever you find your audio podcast. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The Lotus Flower Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I am Dr. Pamela Robinson. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast. Have a good evening.